0: Pastor Ryan, if you can, if you can hear us, uh, it, it's time. It's, t- it's time to come out. We, we got your podium. Oh, oh, here he comes. Okay, I see what was taking him so long. It's great to see everybody here today. Man, I just feel so free and alive. Don't you love... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I feel like Tim Conway little shuffle. Uh, my name is Ryan Kibby. I'm the senior pastor of Life Church, and we are celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Uh, this is my lovely wife, whom you can see. I can't see her, but I know that you can. And sources close to me say that she looks beautiful today. So this is this is hope. Uh, I'm Ryan, and again, this is Resurrection Sunday, and we're in a series right now called Ionion, and uh, we, as the Bible says, we are eternal beings. Ionion means eternal everlasting. And, and I pray as I shuffle that I don't fall over the stage, because that would uh, really destroy the, the thought that I have for today's sermon. So I uh, pray that I don't. Uh, the question uh, that we have been asking over the last couple of weeks is, uh, what about eternity? What, what about life in eternity? And, and if we are Ionian beings, if we're eternal beings and are we going to go to heaven? Are we going to go to hell? We talked about the question that, yes, there's a literal heaven, and yes, there's a literal hell. And then last week, we talked about a kingdom. Jesus talked about the kingdom in his gospels all the time. He talked about, in the gospel, how we need to establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And, and this is the Christ walk that we are to walk out, which brings us to today and resurrection power. How many of you are excited about being here on Resurrection Sunday? Amen. Amen. So, Here's our master text, and I want to put this up first. And, and because I, uh, I'm feeling a little bottled up and pent up today, uh, Hope is going to help assist me in the reading of our, our primary narrative. Hope, would you uh, lead us, lead me? Yes. Okay, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because He has anointed me. Because He has anointed me. To proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind. Recovery of sight for the blind. And to set the oppressed free. And to set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. So, uh, before I get started, Hope, can you just... Can you give me a drink of water here? I'm a little thirsty. Can you just, if I'm going to, you know, preach this sermon. Thank you. Ugh, ugh. Thank you. Appreciate it. Actually, you know what? I, for those of you that know me as a preacher, I, I can't. Can you just take these chains off, please? Because I, I just, I can't do this. This is, this is awful. Can, in fact, I'm, can you just take that one off and then can you remove the blindfold, please? I need to kind of see where everybody's at here. And then can you, you know what, I'm just going to take these off myself. I'm tired of being in these things. In fact, I tied them in so good here. I, let me get these things off here. I'm struggling. Can you help me? She's my Holy Spirit today. She's my helper. Now there's only one Holy Spirit, Amen. And so can you imagine, I can't, nor do I want to. In fact, sometimes coats, they, uh, that, that bandana was quite hot. So uh, I can't imagine even preaching in a coat. I, for those of you that know me, I hate, it feels like a straitjacket. Now I'm free. I see you, and now I can just be my tiger self. And uh, made me sweat. And congratulate, thank you, my lovely uh, helper, for uh, helping in that. So, here's the thing. The reason I did this, other than because I'm quirky and I like to do weird, outrageous things and you never know when it's coming, one of the reasons why I wanted to do that was to show you the condition that so many of us live in. When we're talking about resurrection power, we come, we say, thank you, Jesus, on Sunday, and that is an exact representation of how most of us live in certain areas of our life on Monday resurrection power is available, but here's the difference. One thing we're seeing is we have what we call relief, which is I could drink, I could shuffle, I could do certain things, but would you say that I was a little limited in what I was able to do? Now, when the shackles come off, I can pace like a tiger, I can preach with authority, I feel good. There's a difference. Would you agree? So the the point of this whole message about what resurrection power resurrection power isn't just about being part of a church, which is good. I'll talk about that. Resurrection power isn't just about knowing the Bible. That's good, but there's more. Resurrection power is operating in freedom. Say freedom. And when the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Now, when I had that scripture up there, uh, one of the things that that uh, the reasons that I wanted to to proclaim that was because this is the condition I see the American church sometimes in. We preach that we say yes and amen, and even our pastors are can sometimes be in bondage. Why? Because we're all human, and one of the things that uh, we have to learn to see is our condition. And we're going to talk about that. But there's there's three aspects to this message that I want to touch on. That I think three stories post resurrection about what Jesus did to restore and to set free three specific disciples. And I'm just going to focus on those three aspects in the Gospels. There's many post-resurrections account. How many understand that Jesus is alive? He's not. The tomb is empty. The stone was rolled away. And so before I get into those three aspects, I think it's first the first most important thing is to contend for the faith, to say, why the resurrection? Why is the resurrection so important? What's the big deal? Well, first of all, it's the linchpin of our faith. The linchpin of our faith if jesus does not resurrect from the dead we're dead We are dead in our sin dead in our stuff But if jesus did what he said he did and he did And then we base our entire hope and belief on the hope of this resurrection How many understand that can change the way you view your life both in this age And the awesome things god has for us in the age to come I remember indiana jones in the last crusade, and there was this pivotal moment. He's staring this chasm. You remember this? And he's walking up to it, and he knows that he has to take a leap of faith, and he's right on the edge, and his carnal mind is saying, there's nothing there, and I'm going to plummet to my death. And he takes a step. I won't do it because I want to live, but he did it. And what happened? there 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 was a walkway across it. This, my friends, is how you live by faith. Not to be idiots but he had a word and that word said go and do and he did and he saw resurrection power just like you and i there's provision when we operate in faith that is the hope of the resurrection so three stories that i want to get into three stories that i want to show resurrection power we're going to start on the road to emmaus now i want you to see the scene jesus is just resurrected he's on the way this is in luke chapter 24 and he's 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 going and appearing to different people so these two disciples they're just meandering down the road and all the buzz is about what what happened to jesus and how his followers were so disgruntled and so disenfranchised because he was supposed to be the messiah he was supposed to be the deliverer he was going to ride in on a white horse and set the rome oppression free that they were going to they were going to live and and rule and reign they didn't know what his job was to do was to set them free that the kingdom was within them and that they would be part of some great great plan of god that they didn't see it but now everyone's talking about it because the tomb is empty and there's buzz and so jesus literally appears to a couple of disciples and we pick that up in luke chapter 24 luke chapter 24 starting with verse 28 says by this time they were nearing emmaus And the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. Suddenly, this is key, their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? As he talked with us on the road and explained the scripture's to us. This is an important element here because as you're along life's journey, there's only so much your pastor, your good friend, your good neighbor can point you to Jesus. But at the end of the day, to understand what this book is all about, the author of the book has to give you revelation. He has to be able to, you have to give entrance to him and say, okay, this book It's not Aesop's fables. I take it at its word. I don't understand it. There's a lot of rules in it. But at some point, the God of the universe, you have to make entrance for him into your heart to say, yes, this word matters. Yes, I take Jesus at his word. Now, what's interesting is when you make that decision, just like Indiana Jones, Jesus shows up. He shows up and he shows up and he confirms it in our lives. I can tell you from personal experience, Ten years ago, uh, I was what you would call an intellectual seeker. I knew all about the historical ramifications of Jesus. I had a lot of good Christians who are really good talkers and not real good walkers tell me about this Jesus. But I didn't see the tangible evidence of Jesus in their lives. I needed to know more. So I was a skeptic for many, many years. In fact, I was so enraged. It people trying to talk me into this intellectual Christianity that it drove me far. In fact, I prided myself on debunking the very faith that I now preach to you today. Anybody know anyone like that? Now, what's interesting is, and I'll get to this in a moment, but my arrogance blind. well, here's the thought. Why go to church when they're all hypocrites? Anybody heard that before? Well, here's the thing, I was so judgmental, and never mind the fact that I was miserable, sometimes suicidal, Uh, hello, so full of self, so full of puffed up pride, know-it-all mentality, that I began to view this book as my adversary when I didn't understand this is not just a book of rules, it is a book of rules, but it's also a love letter sent by God to restore you to freedom. This is, the epic, this is the epicenter of our faith, the resurrection. So it says in the road to Emmaus, the scriptures were open to you. Let me challenge you, number one, resurrection truth number one, Jesus will open your eyes to his self and his word if you take the step number one principle. And the, the, the bottom line is, for me personally, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of questioning. I was more miserable than these Christ followers who were in the church. Were they perfect? No. Does pastor, Do pastors make mistakes? Yes. Ask my wife. Ask my brother and sister-in-law. They're here. I'm not perfect, never will be. But what God has given me is he's given me redemption. He's given me forgiveness. He's given me the ability to love people even when they're not so lovely. Jesus opened my eyes to these scriptures. That's the resurrection truth that we have in that story. Now, the the number one objection to the gospel is this. If I can't see it, I won't believe it. And then there's others who say, I'll believe it, but I won't live it. It's quiet. It's quiet. I, I will believe it. This was the number one objection I had. I'll believe it when I see it. Okay, and now maybe I do believe it, but can I li- really live it? Because I will tell you, once you make that decision and you've said, yes, Jesus, open my eyes, I'm going to take that leap of faith. Now not only do I have to step, I have to start walking in it. Now I have to start living it. Resurrection truth number two is that key? And that means that we have to walk in it. Are we open to hearing Jesus? Jesus will deal with your doubts. Resurrection truth number two. Jesus will deal with your doubts. There's an atheist by the name of Christopher Hitchens. He's built an entire economic... Uh, his, whole, his whole premise is attacking the things in the nature of God. What's interesting and I find him fascinating, not because he's an atheist, but because right now he's battling cancer. He's, uh, I think, in his mid-60s, and he has tremendous doubts. In fact, he's so antagonistic towards the things of God, one of the things that he did regularly and still continues to do is he will challenge spiritual leaders point by point by point. And what's interesting in is that he doesn't even realize that the premise of his argument is still rooted in faith because what he's saying is he's putting his hope in the fact that there is no God. That takes faith when you see the creator of the universe and the stars that he made and the fact that if we're one degree closer to the sun, we fry, and we're one degree away from the sun, we freeze. I think that takes tremendous faith to believe. I think it takes tremendous faith to believe that we come from the primordial soup and then a vacuum went boom. Folks, let me tell you, I think it's great to ask questions. In fact, I encourage questions. And in fact, Jesus encouraged questions and he can deal with your doubt. How do I know? The second resurrection truth story that I want to show to you is a guy by the name of Thomas. Anybody heard of him? Anybody felt like him? He gets a bad rap. His, his name is not only Thomas, but there's a little adjective to the next side of his name, and it says, Doubting Thomas. But I want to I throw another word there. How about we call him Honest Thomas? Honest about his doubts. If there's one person in here that doesn't deal with doubts, I would like you to come preach right now. Everybody just flood on up here. Anybody in here who doesn't have a doubt, just come right up and preach, and I will sit down. So let's be honest about our doubts. And, and, and here's what I love about Jesus. And the whole point of this message, if I don't get this to you clearly, I have failed today. The, the, the number one thing is, it's not about the rules, although the rules are good. It's about relationship to the one who wrote the rules. If I can't get you to engage the author, I've failed. But you know what? I can't make you do squat. It's the owner of the book who will touch your heart and reach you in a way that if you let him, will supernaturally change your life. How do you take a drunk, that's me, embittered, that's me, uh, atheistic, that was me, person who questioned everything, whose adjective name was Thomas, doubting, and become a pastor, if not but for the grace and the love, and the mercy of Jesus. It just doesn't happen. Especially when I have... Do you know, I still have questions. In fact, if you come and hear me preach enough, a lot of times I will start the message off with a question. Do You know, this generation now, they like to ask questions. Next week I'm going to talk, I'm going to address our youth. And by the way, if you know someone who's a, a youth, if you have a youth, if you feel youthful, get here next week. Because... I'm going to, well, the word blistering is a, I'm not going it, to, it's not going to be blistering, but it, you know, it's kind of like we need a cattle prod every once in a while, you know. And uh, my point is this, is that when, 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 we're, when a generation is sick and tired of being sick and tired, and they say, you know what, I've had enough. Then they open their eyes to Jesus. They take the leap of faith. They deal with, they, with their doubts. They look at their doubts and they say, okay, what's next? I want a generation that will honestly ask God the right questions instead of burying our head in the sand and saying, no, this is all just a religious story. Because that's what the world who's not in here, that's what they're saying. And many people across churches today, uh, there's people that are showing up in Easter, and what they're going to hear is a message, you've only been in church one year. Shame, once a year, shame on you. I won't preach that message. You're welcome here, no matter what you've done, no matter what your past, come here because this is a hospital. It can restore your soul. There's a loving God that knows that you're a mess up. Get over it. So doubting Thomas, let's read about doubting Thomas. John chapter 20, verse 24. Now, Thomas called the twin. He was one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see the, the, his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now here's the key part. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Notice at that point he was Messiah. He was the Savior. He just called him God. Not prophet. (laughs) Not good teacher. God. Because Jesus is God. How many know that? Recognition of what he is is critical. If you really believe that Jesus is God, shouldn't that dramatically alter the way we live our life? And not only that, if he's God, which he is, and he died, he had that much love for us, shouldn't we let him love on us? Hello, that's grace. And you know, the law is good, but grace triumphs over the law. Grace triumphs. And what grace does is it helps me to obey the law. Because I become more Jesus conscious than I do sin conscious. And pastors still sin. I gotta listen to this tape, man. I gotta hear this. Pump me up. Preach, Brother Ryan. In fact, I don't that sounds too religious. Preach, Kibby. Amen. My Lord and my God. Verse twenty nine, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Here's what interest, here's, here's the thing. Here's what I want to read to you. Let, we go back to verse 25, and it says, unless I see God. Now, let's insert this. This is what Thomas said, but let's insert these phrases. When we say, unless I see God, he's telling us to the disciples. Let me read this to you. Unless I see God heal my disease, I won't believe he wants to heal. Unless I see God provide my financial breakthroughs, I won't believe he's the provider. Unless I see God fix all of my emotional issues, I won't believe Unless I see God uh, fire my ridiculous boss, I won't believe he cares about my job. Now, realistically, we laugh, but that's, that's where we're at a lot of times. But again, a lot of times, the challenge is step first and then see it. Does that make sense? So we take that step, that leap of faith first, and Jesus... Now, what's interesting is is that we read, didn't we not read that there were eight days that Thomas had to wait? It says eight days... So. Imagine you are the recipient of this incredible news and everyone on the planet knows but you. They've seen it. They've tasted it. And you're having to sit there for eight days. How would you feel? So he's waiting eight days. Now, what was interesting is in the first appearance, was he in position to see Jesus? He was not. He wasn't in the room. People of God, if you're not in the room, you're not going to see Jesus. If you're not with the church of God, and it's not just a building, it's the people. The people are the church, not the steeple. If you're with the people of God, you'll be in position to see God move. This is my challenge to get in church. Hello? Get in position and you will see God move. He had to wait eight days. So eight days later, here he is, and where is he? He's in position. And Jesus shows up. And he says to him, blessed for the people that don't see. Because Jesus knew that he wasn't going to be here. He was going to ascend to the heaven. He was going to send the Holy Spirit. And I will tell you, one of the greatest tests of your life will to be believing in something, to believe in a cause or something that God puts on your heart. And you may not see the immediate results. You have to wait for God to show up. Resurrection truth number two. Jesus deals with our doubts. So we get to the third resurrection truth today. Another post-resurrection story. And I love this guy. His name is Peter. I love Peter. You know why? Because he's a hothead. And he's honest because I was a hothead. In fact, I try not to be a hothead, but every once in a while people will see that I have that old nature flaring up, you scoundrel, you know. Now, I know there's no other hotheads because you guys are all so much more spiritual than me, but... But that old nature, you know, just raring up. But what I love about Peter is he was, he was like, let's take charge, type A. Yes, you're the Messiah. I'll never deny you. You're the man. I'll die for you. And at the first moment where that was challenged, he was a quitter and he denied Christ three times. You know the story, Right. Here's the beauty of Jesus. Imagine Peter is a symbol of us trying to fulfill the law in our own power, making commitments and we break it, make a commitment and we break it. I'm going to go to church this year and we break it. I'm going to do this this year. I'm going to break it. I'm going to get, I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going to break it. Everything we try to do of our own power. And here's what Jesus did. It's just beautiful because he restores Peter. And that's the third thing that comes into play for resurrection power. Jesus restores our relationship to himself. But we have to let him. We have to be in position. Here's the the way it works in John 21. Jesus again, he's appearing to his disciples. And really at this point, as you study the scriptures, Peter really has not, he hasn't really, I mean, Jesus has appeared to the disciples, but he's just kind of floundering out there. I mean, he's fishing again. Now, remember, Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, you know, carve out your, you know, fishing business again. But he was dejected, demoralized. He was beaten up, feeling tons of condemnation, which is what, when we break the rules, we sometimes feel if we don't go to Jesus. But here's here's what happens. He sees the Christ on the shoreline resurrected. He gets and he runs to him. So here he is, this man with condemnation for breaking all the rules and denying Christ and feeling terrible. But he sees Jesus, and I think there's a key point there, is that when you're in that dark hour and you've goofed up, are you going to run to the water to get to Jesus, or are you going to run away from him and hide? Because he knows anyway, right? So let's not run from And watch what happens. John chapter 21, verse 15, it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? <laughs> What's interesting is that Peter was always priding himself on just being the man and knowing it all and anybody else operate like that. And, you know, well, I know more about, hello, we have anybody like that? No one honest enough to raise their, man, I'm all alone today. must be the only heathen in this joint. Uh, After breakfast, Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Well, then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the same question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Well, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Imagine Peter's face there. Oh, Lord, you just hit me where it hurts. That's just the crosshairs right in my gut because I know I denied you three times. Three times you asked me, I love you. And I have to tell you that. And at that moment, the Bible says... Right after Peter was hurt, did Jesus asked the question a third time? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So Jesus restores him. But you know what he asked him to do? He didn't ask him to just show up at church and hang out. He didn't ask him to, what did he say? He said, feed my sheep. That means we have to do something. That means we have to get over our hurts. We have to get over our faults. We have to get over resentments. We have to get over unforgiveness. We have to get over our hidden rift with God because God didn't give us what we wanted. Or maybe you had some tragic things happen. And you're saying, God, why? Good question. And I would recommend that you take that to Jesus. Why, God, why is a fair question. Anyone ask that question? It's fair. It's fair. We just preached to you that Jesus can deal with your doubts. Jesus can restore your relationship. And Jesus is the resurrection power. And if you go to him, he can honestly deal with that. I cannot begin to fathom how this pastor is feeling right now across town. Pastor Ron Ross, a wonderful man of God, lost his son in military battle. I have zero words for him other than that I'm praying for you and I love you dearly as a brother in Christ. But if you're going to ask me how I know why, I don't have an answer for you. And if I had an answer for everything, we wouldn't need faith and I would be God. And I'm clearly not God. And neither are you. Do you see this? The Bible gives us answers, but there are unexplainable things that this side of heaven, we just won't know. But what I can say is that you have power to endure. I refuse to stand up here and say for the next year, hey, if, you, if you're just kind of connecting with God, that everything is going to be hunky-dory. And that your life's going to be perfect once you get into the Jesus game. No, your life probably will get tougher. You'll have more resistance, but you'll have more power, more peace, more love, more joy, and more forgiveness than you can even possibly imagine. And you'll have a body of believers who will walk with you through it. Because Jesus oftentimes delivers us through the fire, not from it. And so this is key. And that's where resurrection power, the joy of our resurrection is, Jesus is saying, establish my kingdom, tell them the good news, tell them that I ransomed them from hell, tell them that I want them in heaven, but establish my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That means feed my sheep, Peter. Feed them. Don't sit in self-pity. It's over. It's done. You denied me. I forgive you. I've removed it as far as the east is from the west. Now feed my sheep. This is my challenge. But what is critical is, is that we don't pick up the chains again. Because when we put up the chains again, all of a sudden, you know what? I like the part where you said, Ryan, that Jesus wants to heal us. I like the part that, that says, you know, that that he's for us and that he wants to prosper us, and, and he does. But, you know, that unforgiveness part, I'll take my relief back. I'll just kind of... i still got my arms, right? I can still go to battle. I can still preach, right? Well, no. I'll, uh, that Christian over there hurt me. That church hurt me. So I'm just going to go fishing every Sunday. And it'll be hard because I've got these shackles on, but I'll just, you know, try to cast my lure. And, uh, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. And, uh, well, I don't know. Preacher said a lot of good things. But, you know, I don't know, I just I like my stuff, you know. I I like I like being comfortable in my sin. Oh, did he say the word sin? He said the word sin. Shh. (laughs) Mistakes, sin, it's all under the blood of Jesus. Let him set you free. Let him set you free. Let him take care of your chains. What's cool is, is the process of beginning to take off your chains. You know what's cool when He takes off the chains? Is that you begin to start helping Him. I don't want unforgiveness anymore. I don't need that anymore. I don't need the way I used to feel. I, I'm, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not worm dirt. And neither are you. Amen? Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. This is a fundamental truth of Christianity is that people gather together on church, not because they're perfect. There's not a perfect church. The fundamental truth of Christianity is that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would have everlasting life. It begins with the belief. You know, every behavior we have, every behavior we have, that's wrong, every wrong behavior we have is a lie that we believe. Let me repeat that again. Every wrong behavior we have is a lie that we believe. Expose the lie, and you can begin to operate in truth. Some of them today I've touched on with you. And and here's what I want to do it's simple. When Jesus restored his people, he said, Go and do, because you're forgiven. Because I've empowered you, because I love you, because you're more than a conqueror and I can do all things. You can do all things with me, Jesus is telling us, you know. And can it be an emotional start? But I will tell you, yes, it can. But it's beyond emotion. It's day in, day out when the rubber meets the road and you're, you're on your knees and life has beaten the you know what out of you. That you say to him, Lord, you're still my Lord and you're still my master, and many of the times we like Him as our Savior, especially on Sundays, but on Mondays, this is our Master. It is the challenge we all face. But I've given you tools to equip you. So here's what I want you to do. If you are you're saying, yes, I believe. Pastor Ryan, you've convinced me that Jesus is real, that He has resurrection power, but I don't know if I want to make Him my Master. Because there's a profound leap of faith when you take that leap of faith and you step over the edge and say, oh, no, now I'm getting lumped in with them. Well, it's not about who you're getting lumped in. It's about who you're joining up with. And he will take you to places that you will never, you can't even possibly begin to imagine. It's a cool way to live. Not always easy, but very powerful way to live. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to, here's the question. I've presented the story. You're a part of the story the larger story of the body of christ if you're tired of living in bondage to sin if you're tired of living in bondage to other people's opinions if you're tired of living in bondage to that resentment that unforgiveness that's so thick that you've marinated and poured steak sauce on it if you're so tired of living that way here's what i want you to do i want you to make a commitment To allow Jesus, not by your works, but by his grace and his power, I want you to allow Jesus to deal with that. And then you say, Lord, I have no idea how to make you my master. But when you say to do something, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to jump in. That's what I'm looking for today. That's what the Lord's looking for. I've seen people who came here last Easter who've told me personally that their lives have been changed because they opened the door to Jesus, not because of The church or me or the worship team but because they opened the door to jesus and it transformed their life i've walked it through them i've walked this with them i've had seasoned veterans seasoned veterans christ followers who came last easter and they're here today because they heard a message of grace and empowerment and helped heal some deep hurts this is the god we serve but it's it's taking that step and saying yes i will make you my master And yes, you're not going to be perfect following him. You need to let that go too. But there's real answers here to live out your life. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, I want you to raise your hand. If you say, Ryan, I believe he's my... And this is is a critical thing because if you've made him your Lord and Savior and you've made him your master, you don't need to raise your hand. But if you have not made him your master for your own good, I plead with you, raise your hand and let him be your master now. Thank you. Several hands there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many, many, many. Thank you. Thank you. Now, here's the thing I want to do with that. When you go home today, I want you to put it on your fridge. This is the day Jesus became my master. You put that in front of your eyes. You don't let that sucker leave you for the next year and here's your challenge come back for one year and let's talk make a commitment to get out of the boat and take the step now let's say this prayer because you know salvation is an incredible thing it's the beautiful exchange jesus took all of our junk nailed it to a cross rose again so that we would have eternal life with him praise god that's what you're saying yes to not joining our church but you're saying yes to jesus in a relationship with him So everyone, let's just repeat this prayer. Father in heaven, I receive your Son. I receive your forgiveness for all of my stuff that isn't right. And I nail it to the cross. I make you my Master, my Lord and my Savior. And from this day on, I will serve you with your strength, your grace your revelation, and your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought it appropriate if we would stand up, being that I came out in chains, that we would sing a little Amazing Grace to send us off, because my chains are gone, my sins have been set free, my God, my Savior. Amen.